Welcome back to Flat Out Food, the podcast. If you have listened to previous episodes, you would have heard stories from participants of the show, of farmers, artisans, and chefs from all across the province. But today we thought we would do something a little bit different. I'm Caitlin Schrope, and I am the art director on Flat Out Food. And I am joined by the host of the show, Jen Sharp, and the producer and director of Flat Out Food, Adrian Halter. And we just thought we would chat about how Flat Out Food has grown from season one to season three. So welcome. Thanks, Caitlin. It's nice to have you on the show, Adrian. Oh, I'm very excited to be here. I think, uh, you know, everything thus far in the podcast has been fantastic and a great way to expand the audience's glimpse into our world of filming and of the lives of the people we feature. Yeah, so I just thought we would first start off by talking about some of those standout moments from season three that we were able to experience. We filmed for seven weeks throughout the summer and fall in 2022, and we had a lot of really unique experiences. Adrian, what was one of your favorite moments from season three? You know, it's it's always really tough to pick a favorite moment because so much of our experiences are driven by the work that we're doing. And so, you know, some days are more challenging from a filming perspective, even though that it might be a really unique and interesting day that you kind of get focused on on the task at hand. And actually, one thing that Jen's really helped me with over the last few years working on the show is really just, you know, centering yourself in the moment and being able to experience it for what it is, because we get to do a lot of things that very few people get a chance to do. You know, we get behind the scenes access and we get to do a lot of things that I would have never thought I would get to do in film. But one of the ones that really stands out was a day we spent in northwestern Saskatchewan. And we got to hang out with our friend Albert and ride around on a fan boat and experience wild rice harvesting. Before we started prep on season three, I knew very little about wild rice other than that you could buy it at the grocery store. And I had no idea how much of it was harvested in Saskatchewan. But I think that day stands out just because it's unique. You're on a boat, no cell service, beautiful, crisp, clean lakes in northern Saskatchewan. And yeah, that was one of my favorite days for sure. Yeah, I love I love how you talk about that, Adrian, like the effect that that day had on you. And I think it affected all of the crew in a way that we weren't quite prepared for. And you never know what to expect. It's expect the unexpected. And I also appreciate your capacity to be in those moments. I mean, there's just a flurry of activity and things that you're organizing that that need to happen for the day to run smoothly. And a lot of that falls on your head to organize and to keep track of. But the ability to also just step back and take in the serenity of the moment. And that day that you're talking about was absolutely my favorite day as well. And it was just because it was so unexpected. And we drove down like this little sandy trail in the woods and we weren't really sure where we were going. And we get to the end of the road and we weren't sure if we could even drive the vehicles in, if there would be enough room for all of us to turn around. And, you know, the crew ended up taking most of the gear by hand down there and we spent the day and yeah, no cell service. And I remember those first few hours, everyone was a bit antsy, like, well, what do I do without my cell phone? And I can't contact anyone and I can't get messages or emails. And then it was like the slowness of that space sunk into all of us. And it was like, be here now. And things moved at a slower pace and we just kind of became one with the woods and there was wild blueberries growing and there was this beautiful moss on the trees and this pristine water and being able to be out on the airboat and the boat beside filming like that was once in a lifetime. 
And then that day culminated in sharing a meal that Lori Roy had prepared for us. And she had cooked wild rice over the fire in a cast iron pot with uh, vegetables and bacon, bacon grease. And the wild rice had gotten crispy on the pot itself. And it's sitting on this open flame. And it was dark by the time we ate it. And you could barely see it. And also we were really hungry from this long day and we hadn't eaten in a while. But yeah, it was something I'll never forget either. One of my favorite days was when we went to Elkridge and we filmed at Frederick because that day I really had a chance to really play with the tablescape for that dinner scene. So I was out while you guys were filming other things in the kitchen, but I was out in the forest and I was cutting branches down and just trying to build this table of fall. That's kind of what I wanted it to look like. So for me, being able to like get into the forest and build something out of that and then put that on the table, I thought was really cool. And another one that also stuck out to me for another dinner scene day that I thought was really, really fun was at Grain and Pulse in Imperial. Like being able to spend time with Tracy and the stories that she had to tell was like a really unforgettable day for me. Like her stories will always, always stick with me. Yeah, that day at Elkridge, I think, you know, putting my producer hat on from a scheduling perspective, the the days where we had more time and, you know, we were at Elkridge for about two full days, like some travel mixed in there, but two full days. So we had a little bit more time. And the other benefit was we were staying right at the resort. So when we woke up in the morning, we walked downstairs and we were on set. So you had a little bit more freedom. But I remember you coming up to me and you were like giving some ideas on what to do for the table setting. And you You'd mentioned something like, you know, should I just go out into the woods and just grab some stuff? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, go ahead. I think that's a good idea. And, you know, you were able to put something really amazing together. But, you know, where else would you be able to do that unless you were in the forest? Yeah, and the setting especially, just like the windows in the room that looked out to the forest and then bringing that outside in, I think was really cool and really special way to set up that dinner. And you really stepped up your game a lot this year too, Caitlin. I mean, art director was a new role for season three. We hadn't had that role in previous seasons, but your capability to really just envision a beautiful tablescape and help set up for the interviews and how those would look and just make it really suit the theme of that episode and the story that we're trying to share, I think brought a lot to the show this season that perhaps wasn't demonstrated in such a way in past seasons. Thank you, Jen. What do you think was, I mean, like, obviously all the food that you ate on the show was amazing. We don't have to lie about that. But can you think of a dinner scene that really stuck out to you, whether it was the food or or the conversation that you had that really solidified that as maybe one of your top favorites? Yeah, the, the dinner scene we had at Kashmir was by far one of the most memorable because it was... I don't think I've ever seen an ingredient used in quite that many different ways on flat out food before. Like, I don't remember how many dishes there were. There was eight, if I remember right. Yeah, I think, well, eight, but then there was a few appetizers that uh, the crew might have uh, taken care of before we started filming. <laughs> and they were all with potato in all these different ways, like sauteed, baked, grilled, deep fried, like, and sauces and textures and flavors and you know, growing up in Saskatchewan and roast beef and mashed potatoes is pretty much our standard Sunday supper at my grandma's. And to be honest, potatoes aren't that really all, you know, they're great and all, but they weren't that exciting, right? But then you see how Harry and his team reimagined them at Kashmir and using these traditional dishes from India. I was blown away. I had no idea potatoes could be that delicious or creative. <laughs> There's actually one dish that it gets featured in, in the show quite a bit in some of the B-roll, but when I tried it, I thought it was a meatball. 
And I was like, oh, it might be a lamb meatball or goat meatball. And I, I took it and I bit into it and it was a potato. <laughs> and I was, I was, you know, surprised and I saw them make it, but I was like, that's clearly a meatball, but it was a potato. And I think the visuals of the meal at Kashmir, but also the flavors, I think was something that it impressed us all, right? Like we spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about which restaurants to go to and which places to go to. So we expect things to be delicious, of course. But, you know, we're always surprised. And I think that's one of the most fun things is these chefs, these artisans, the farmers, they're working really hard too. Like they know that we're coming and and they're usually really prepared and um, definitely trying to surprise us, I think. One thing I love so much about the dinner scenes on Flat Out Food is that aspect of when the chef chooses to use the ingredient as many ways as they can. And I think we saw that a lot in season three, like the egg dinner, every single course had egg in it. The garlic dinner, like Kevin and Cecilia made sure that everything they put on that plate had garlic in it in some shape or form. And I mean, that's been the same throughout all seasons of the show, but I think it was really prominent in season three. Yeah, I think, you know, Jen, you can speak to this too, but like, I think we really put a focus on not only trying to bring the ingredient in different ways, like to feature it in multiple ways, but also make sure that we were like showcasing the partnerships too. I think of the Saskatoon Berry episode on the table is a bunch of Jeff's beer, the Evening Star Saskatoon beer, you know, and then JP used Saskatoon berries and everything. And Bob had even brought a little sour cherry tree that was in the background of some of the shots but we put a lot of focus on really trying to showcase the ingredient in as many unique ways as possible I think when you get to the third season of anything you know we're always like how can we make this new how can we make this different and I think you know after the first season some people even said like how many more places can you go and you know here's season three with eight episodes and we featured more people per episode than ever before and there's still more to show. Yeah, very true, Adrian. I found a similar feeling when I was researching my book at the beginning when I was just getting into what this book would look like. And I was talking to my publisher and saying, you know, I'm not sure if I could even find 100 people to be in this book, to be honest. I don't know if there's more than that going on in Saskatchewan. And then I start researching it and looking into it. And I was like, whoa, there's enough for two books. And so a lot of these people can't be featured on the show because it's specific to the ingredient. But at the same time, there's so much going on here that none of us really know about. And the beauty of this show of Flat Out Food is that we get to showcase it. And each year we learn a lot and we evolve the show. And yeah, of course, we we, we want to grow and get better. But I think in season three, I'm just so proud of the way we were able to showcase these ingredients and the way the chefs just really stepped up their game and used them in unique ways and unexpected ways and put them through all the courses in ways that we would never expect. And like JP's dinner with the traditional Filipino dishes and then using Saskatoon berries is a great example. It was just unexpected and so delicious. So as the show has evolved throughout the three years that it's been airing, I mean, you guys can speak to how the show has grown from the day you shot the demo to the last day you wrap on season three. So We didn't have a podcast back in season one. So maybe let's talk a little bit about how things have grown and the things that we have learned from season one and season two. It was so interesting because when I was writing my book, 
I had no aspirations for a TV show and nothing like that. I was just just so passionate about getting these stories out to people and just really helping people connect with their food and where it comes from and how important these local food systems are in Saskatchewan in a province that is traditionally more commodity agriculture based and we don't have as strong of a local food system as uh, perhaps other parts of Canada but it's coming back here a lot more and that's our roots of local food and sourcing directly from farmers in Saskatchewan. So it was like this coming home journey. But the first week on the road, you know, we're out traveling across Saskatchewan, getting these stories, meeting farmers in their fields. And I felt this wave of energy hit me and this message of like, this book won't be enough. The book will be a great start. It'll help people and the social media that I started along with it you know, it'll, it'll help, it'll be a great start, but it won't be enough. It's going to need to be bigger than that to reach more people and to share these stories. And I didn't know how it would look. I had no idea. And it wasn't that long after that I met Adrian working at Agribition. It was that winter of 2018 and got talking and later the next year had this idea that we can do a show about food in Saskatchewan and the growth of that journey, it kind of seems like yesterday, but it also feels like a lifetime ago of what's happened since then. And, you know, I think one thing that is kind of been surprising for me as we've gone through this process is early on, the idea, the concept that I had before I met Jen was just ingredients. And it was, you know, lemons and milk and, you know, things that you could get all over, but maybe also things that weren't necessarily like, that didn't scream Saskatchewan. And then once we started focusing on working together to create what the show would become, you know, we wanted to focus more on ingredients that were common here that you expect in Saskatchewan, wheat, beef, those types of things. But as we've gone through now, you know, we've done 19 episodes and that's 19 ingredients. And I wouldn't say that there was one of them that doesn't feel like it belongs. All of these ingredients, there's people here that are growing them, producing them, that are doing it in a way that is meaningful to them and they're passionate about it. And I guess that's one thing that hasn't changed, right, is our focus on people who are passionate about what they do. I think we've gotten better at doing it just a little bit more quickly and efficiently. We've always tried to add, we've always tried to get better and and just become better storytellers, but sharing the passion of the people involved has never changed. So Adrian, obviously you're the director, so you're the one that is creating the crew to create the visual part of this story. So what does it mean to you to be able to bring this crew together? Maybe tell me a little bit about the crew and then what it feels like to be able to create that story and bring it to life visually. So the crew has been almost the same over the entire three seasons. We've had the same audio person, the same director of photography, the same camera team, same editor, same composer. One of the things that's really special about this is because of the subject matter, it was really easy for us to get people on board for the first season. And then once they saw what we had created together, the crew became excited to work on the next season. And then that kept building. And so everyone's really passionate about the same things. We all love Saskatchewan. We all love sharing stories. And we all love getting to share the stories of other people who are also passionate. You know, we see a lot of parallels between us and the producers and us and the artisans. And it's been numerous times where we've kind of discussed that. I think back to season one filming at Box H and, you know, Mark Heimer, he had a lot of admiration for us and what we were doing and how hard we were working. 
uh, and the attention to detail we had, you know, just as we had the same admiration for Mark and Laura for the work that they were doing and the attention to detail they have. I feel very fortunate to work with the crew that we do. Obviously, Jan as a co-creator and, and producing partner is crucial to the production. And then obviously, Jen is host. You know, she, just like you, Caitlin, wearing many hats. We have Adam Burwell, who's the director of photography. Adam is a very dear friend of mine and just a really talented person. He has a great eye and great attention to detail. And then our other camera operators, Preston Canick, and again, you know, someone who I've known for a long time, a good friend of mine, but someone who is just meticulous. Oftentimes, my great director note is, here's a list of things, Preston, go film them. <laughs> and, and Preston comes back with just some amazing footage. And of course, we work with T-Bone, who anyone who's done any filming in Saskatchewan has likely worked with T-Bone, but he does the audio on, on site for us. Joel Tabak is in the camera department. Joel's gripping on the show. He's helping set up lights in the electric department. He's kind of all those things. He's also a camera assistant. And this year we added Mari Kleimanhega, who was our production coordinator. So she was in charge of making sure we had food to eat, beds to sleep in, and then looking after the participants. And then, of course, you, Caitlin, who uh, had the added role this year of art director, along with all the social media for Flat Out Food and photography. So a lot of a lot of different hats that you were wearing, a lot of different roles you had to look after. And then, of course, on the post-production side, we have our editor, Tim Thurmeyer, and he is really the person that unlocks the story. And then we have Justin Peterson, who does our audio post, we have Dave Tomiak, who does the color and really makes makes the images pop. And then, of course, Steve Lytle, who composes all the music. And the entire production crews from here, our editors from Saskatchewan, and our composer, you know, that's something that I always bring up that I'm really proud of, is that we're telling Saskatchewan stories, and I think it's important that Saskatchewan people tell those stories. And I think that's why so much of the crew feels so connected to the show is because of that Saskatchewan aspect, you know, having fellow Saskatchewanians around you, people who live and breathe Saskatchewan every single day. I think it's, I mean, for me, it's a pleasure to be a part of a crew that is so local. And I think as we focus on local food in the show, that only makes sense to do the same. And Jen, I mean, I'm so curious what it's like to be the one on camera and sharing these stories through the lens to the people of Saskatchewan and, and being the face of it as well. Well, to be honest, it was a bit strange in season one. I didn't have a ton of on-air experience. I had gone on like morning television shows quite often, but like little sound bites. <laughs> it's a very different experience than, than hosting and being on camera on this this show, and I didn't I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I mean, Adrian and I had, had talked quite a bit and um, had gone over how it would look in season one and things like that. But it was it was still a, a quite a new experience for for all of us, really. So in my past roles, I've always been a writer and a journalist, and the story's not about me when you're a journalist. It's never about you. It's about the other people and the stories that you're sharing. And that's kind of how I've always approached Flat Out Food, too, is that Yes, I'm on this journey of discovery with the audience. And yes, I may know these people or have had an experience or understand a farming method or, or a, something that a chef is doing. But at the end of the day, the story is still about those people 
And so in season one, I feel like the the story focused on the people that I was with quite a lot. And perhaps I, I could have said more at certain times. <laughs> but it was also like letting the story shine through and finding my place in it all and becoming confident on camera. And as as the years have gone, it's, you know, it's the third year, 2022 was the third year of, of doing this. It was finding my voice and that presence on camera that is it's a fine line between being overbearing and a touch of almost narcissism and of just really stepping back and letting the participants shine and letting them tell their story and also making them feel comfortable enough to tell their story because most of the people we're featuring have never been on camera before and it can be like an uncomfortable, awkward experience to to be sharing your passion with someone and have all these cameras and lights on you. And so a big part of my role is making sure that people feel comfortable enough that their story shines through and that it's they're doing their own story justice. And so for that to happen, there has to be a level of emotional intelligence between myself and that, that person and a, a connection as well so that they feel comfortable enough to, to really shine through in who they are. And so it's it's really just been a joy of a journey of discovery for me and finding what that looks like and also letting my personality come through when it's appropriate to you as well and letting that story shine at the end of the day. So yeah, all that being said, what about some of our funniest or silliest moments on set? We have a lot of fun on Flat Out Food. It's not all serious. Like it's long hours and, and long days, but um, you know, we've got to know each other really well and, and we definitely have fun on set and, and make sure that it's enjoyable for everyone. But there's one memory that does stick out as a time where maybe we had just like a little bit too much fun. And it was season two. We were staying at Pemmican Lodge, which was like 30 minutes from Isle Lacrosse. Tyler Morin from Isle Lacrosse Fish Company was so gracious to, to give us a bunch of walleye so that we could use it for filming the next day um, after we'd filmed with Tyler. And we brought all this walleye back, and it was, it was a lot. It was more than we ever needed to eat and more than we needed to film the next day. But when we got back, we started having our own little fish fry, which kind of escalated into having a competition, which escalated in us cooking all the fish that we had and not realizing it until the next morning when we had to film our other scene and all the fish was gone. A bit of a blunder, you know, producer hat was taken off for sure that night. Um, and then Jen volunteered to drive all the way back to Isla Cross and kind of bang on the door and ask them, you know, for some more fish because we'd cooked it all. But yeah, that was one moment that, um, Definitely stands out as kind of something that was a little bit more fun. We ate so much fish that night, too. I think it was we like 12 fillets that night. Just like one after the other for seven people. But we ate it all. Nothing went to waste. No, it didn't go to waste, but it also didn't get used for filming either. <laughs> okay, and how about filming this summer with Anna and Daryl at the Garlic Garden? And I remember you came up to me like, Jen, we have something funny we want you to do. And I was like, oh, no, what's it going to be? And they have this little weeding machine that Daryl's rigged. He's made it so you can lie down and there's a headrest for your head so you're not straining your neck. And you just, it goes down the row of garlic and you've got a little spade so you can weed. So it saves your back from bending over and, and weeding. And it, it goes extremely slow. Like probably a snail would go faster than this thing. So I crawl into it and, you know, everybody's filming it and I've never obviously been in this 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 little handmade weeder before and it's it's a great invention but I get in there and I'm so focused on 
you know, not hitting the garlic and weeding the weeds and not like pulling out the garlic. And I'm in there and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not even watching and I'm going sideways and almost taking out the row of garlic. And then Anna says to Adrian, she's like, should she be driving that? <laughs> she's a bit nervous about it still. And I look up and I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to drive through all this garlic. And it was really embarrassing because I don't know how I steered it sideways that much and it's moving so slow yeah fun times well it had foot pedals yeah foot pedals the foot pedals would steer for it so if you push just a little ever so slightly on the right foot pedal it would start to turn right you know i hope the gag plays out in the in the show like i hope other people found it funny you'd expect it to go the speed of a lawnmower or something like that you know some sort of motorized vehicle but when you climbed in it and drove it for the first time i think there's no way that take made the show because I think everyone was laughing yeah, we so definitely hard. had to cut because Anna and Daryl were right behind me. And the minute you started rolling, both of them just burst into laughter because they were just, I think for them, it was like watching somebody else do it that didn't know how it worked probably was so funny to them. Well, and so often, you know, we say action or go ahead or whatever, gets started and things happen quick, right? You know, you think of other machinery or anything that you've been a part of in the show as host, you know, it happens quick. And this was one time where it was like, okay, Jen, go ahead. And you like hammered the gas, but it went like, like you said, slower than a snail. (laughs) That was awesome. So one moment that really sticks out to me from season three was when we were setting up for the egg dinner. I can't remember who said it, but someone was like, man, it'd be nice if this sanitizer machine would be gone. So I was like, okay, I don't know how we're going to do this. We couldn't take it off the wall. So I made it my mission to find something to get rid of this sanitizer machine. So I was searching through all of Tracy's things. Just like I was looking for a box, something that I could just cover it up with. And I think it was Preston had went and visited over at the next door little shop, which was like a little bit of a gift shop. And I went over there and I just asked the woman, I was like, hey, do you happen to have a box that I could hang on a wall? We eventually found like a crate. I was like, hey, I'm going to go test this. So I went and tested it. We put a command strip on the wall. I went back to her and I was like, are you going to be in the building, you know, after we're done filming this? And she's like, what time are you going to be done? I was like, I don't know. Could be one hour, could be two, could be three. She's like, I'm not going to be home. Just put it on the back step. So that's what I did. We covered the sanitizer, which was amazing. And then I just left the box for her on the back step of her shop because I guess that's what you just do in small towns. You just trust everybody. Well, I think it was either Jenna or Taylor commented on that. They thought that that was a, because you had that set up before they got there. I think they thought that was like part of the decor. I think they thought that was quite nice what you had set up there. (laughs) I mean, if that's one way to get rid of sanitizer, (laughs) other than ripping it off the wall. So it was pretty good. So you two have been a part of Flat Out Food for all three seasons, and I've had the pleasure of being on the last two. So wondering if we can all share what we love so much about Flat Out Food and the stories that we're able to tell. You know, Flat Out Food is incredibly unique. We put so much intention, Adrian and I and the whole crew, into authentically sharing these stories and and really doing them justice. And so I think the impact that that has on people is meaningful. How often do you see stories that are like authentic and meaningful and just a true representation of that time and place and that person. And perhaps, yeah, we do see them, but how often do we see them about our home and our province and where we come from? And so that to me is 
it's just something that I never expected going into Flat Out Food, the impact that this show would have on myself and the crew and the people in it, but the audiences watching it, like seeing our home and the people that are producing our food and bringing it to our table and their stories told in such a beautiful, meaningful light. It just, yeah, it's everything. I think too, you know, one unexpected thing is the pride that other people have in the show that are not related to the show. I saw some friends recently of mine and and they were, you know, they were kind of bragging about one of the cool things that they saw in the show that they went and visited the restaurant. And they were really excited about that. And it's like, I didn't expect that to be, you know, one of the results of the show. But for me, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of and that you know, just fills me with with a sense of gratitude to for the opportunity to be able to do this. The other day, my wife Becky actually turned on the show, and it was the milk episode. And that doesn't happen often, but it was on TV, and she put it on, and she was excited to show my two boys because they're in that episode. They're featured. They're you know covered in blue ice cream at Dandy's, and you know it was Act Two, so it was Nadine from Wandering Market, and it was Kevin from Saskatoon Spruce, and then it got to to Daniela from Dandy's, and you know. The visuals, the music, the people telling their story. I think it's all those things combined that, you know, I'm just so proud of. Like all of those elements. And it's not just Jen and I doing that work, right? It's every single person on the crew, every single person in the post-production, every person who's gracious enough to share their story with us. You know, all that coming together, I think. So when Flat Out Food ends whenever that may be you know fingers crossed for season four I think that's something that I'm still gonna always remain incredibly proud of and incredibly thankful for that you know all of us were able to work together to create something that represents where we're from for me it's so special to be able to tell the stories of the people in Saskatchewan um, about how passionate they are about their food and the product they create and I just want to say thank you guys both so much for joining me to talk about Flat Out Food and we'd be able to show a little bit of the behind the scenes of the show that the people, they may only get to see if they follow us on social media to be able to see what actually happens behind the camera. Doing this podcast has been so much fun and sharing the stories of the people behind the show, um, like you two and the people that are in the show. So yeah, thank you again. It's been an absolute joy to do this show and this podcast with you both. Yeah, I think it was a really fun way to just explore it a bit more. So thank you for all your work, Caitlin. Flat Out Food, the podcast, is produced by Halter Media and written by Caitlin Shrope and myself, Jen Sharp. Flat Out Food is funded by Rogers Sports and Media, the Canada Media Fund, Creative Saskatchewan, and the Canadian Film Production Tax Credit. To learn more about Flat Out Food, follow us on social media, You can watch all the episodes of Flat Out Food along with some bonus content at citytv.com.